Well, good morning. I want to thank you and welcome all of you that are with us today. We welcome all of you that are, that are joining in with us. And, and I'm, I'm sorry you're having difficulty on, on Facebook, but, um, but check out our YouTube page. Go there at ATL Metro, ATL, Met, excuse me, Metro City Church dot Atlanta, Metro City Church dash Atlanta. Go there on YouTube and you can join us there if, uh, for those of you that are having difficulty. I want to welcome you this morning. What, what an incredible week it's been. And as I announced last week, I, it was an amazing, I, I've been through an amazing week of moving, you know, carrying heavy burdens, changing things from one place to the next. And uh, it, every, if you've ever moved, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And But you know what, it, what's amazing? Our having to move in this season is apropos for all that's going on around the nation. All of us are having to change our environment. We're having to change the way we do things. This is a, a disruptive season where all of us are having to do things that we've never done before, do things differently. And I believe that God is in the midst of it. And I want to, I want to welcome you and encourage all of you that have been tuning in to social media. Some of you, you were never that concerned with social media, while others of you, it was already your lifestyle. Either way, this is a new day we're living in, and I want to welcome you to this change of season, and I believe will be, for the most part, a permanent change. And as we prepare to receive the Word of God this morning, I want you to pray with me and ask the Lord to help you, help us to receive. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, even now, that your word might have place in our hearts. Lord, thank you for the power to communicate. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for speaking to us right where we are. We give you thanks. We give you all the praise in Jesus' name. And if you're there with me, Say amen. I want, to, I want to share something with you today. I want to continue. We've been talking about racial reconciliation. But I want to share something with you in the scripture that was quite awesome in the life of Jesus. Because it was amazing the questions that he received, the environment that he was in, and the, 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 the issues that he dealt with. Nothing new to his life certainly is not new to our life the tensions that exist, the divisions that are happening, the suspicions that people are carrying. And it's almost as, as if we're walking on edge. We, we're not able to talk to each other, let alone the mask we're wearing. We're not able to talk, communicate with each other because we are afraid that we might offend each other. And those of us in the body of Christ are having to deal with the environment of racial tension that's everywhere. But I wanna share something with you about Jesus. Because on one occasion, there was a lawyer who stood up and to test Jesus. And he said to him, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What, and, and Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? Very interesting question. Jesus said, how do you read it? And he goes on and he says, and the lawyer says to him, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength 
and with all your mind and love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. And, and you have, Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Great answer, Jesus said. He said, do this and you will live. But wanting, the Bible says, wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus another question. He said, and who is my neighbor? I believe it was, it was almost cynical the way he asked the question. Who is my neighbor? And when Jesus got this question, it, it's amazing the way that he answered him. He answered him by giving him a story. And a lot of us are, are familiar with the story Jesus gave, dealing with this lawyer's cynicism about keeping the law as, in, in terms of lifestyle and loving one's neighbor. Jesus said, a good Samaritan, he said, he told him the story of a good Samaritan. And Jesus said, a man was going down to Jerusalem, to Jericho, when he fell among the hands of robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. Jesus goes on to tell the story, a priest passed by, a Levite passed by, and both of them being religious, passed by, did nothing for the man's condition. And then he said, but a Samaritan, not only did he stop, he bound up his wounds. He poured ointment into his wounds. He put the man on his own transportation took him to an inn, put money down in his name so that anything that he spent would be paid for or the bill would be taken care of when the Samaritan came back. And, and then Jesus turns to the man, the, to the lawyer, and he says to him in the question of who is your neighbor, Jesus says, who then was the man's neighbor? The priest who passed by? the Levite who kept going or the Samaritan who sacrificed himself and what he had to save this man. And, and the lawyer said, the one who helped him. And Jesus said to him, go and do that to your neighbor. That describes who your neighbor really is. It's amazing that Jesus would call the, uh, the story of the Samaritan because Jews in those days had much tension between the Samaritans. They were, they were a conglomeration of other ethnos having come together inside children. They were half and quarter Jews. They weren't considered the real Jews. There was tension between them. And you see this in the scripture again and again. And Jesus amazingly answered the question of this lawyer, your real neighbor is the one that you may despise. Your real neighbor is the one who's not like you. Your real neighbor, if you're really going to have life, eternal life in you, it's, it'll, be, it'll be determined by how you handle your true neighbor. And when Jesus gave him this story about Samaria, before he gave the story, he had already gave the illustration. He had already demonstrated, actually, 
this. He demonstrated it with his own life. For Jesus, when he, when he, was, when he had come to Samaria, to Samaria, he came to a plot of ground near Jacob, the plot of ground that Jacob had given to Joseph. And there his well was there. And the Bible says that he had traveled through Samaria. It is amazing that, that Jesus in his statement says, I must, I need to go through Samaria. Here Jesus is going to the place that's unpopular for Jews. And yes, he's there. And he was, having traveled there, he was weary. And he sat down by the well. And a, a Samaritan woman, a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Will you give me a drink of water? And his disciples, they had already gone from him to buy food, so he was alone. So here he is at this well in the, in the heat of the day, this woman by herself drawing water. Jesus says to her, give me something to drink. And the Samaritan woman looked at him and said, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For the Jews do not associate with Samaritans. It sounds like today that many of us who are religious, many of us who love the Lord, many, many of us who are God's people, choose who we hang out with, choose who we worship with. It is true, it has been said, that the 11 o'clock hour of worship is the most segregated hour in America. And yet Jesus is making a demonstration. He's making waves, he's making a point. He comes through Samaria to, Samaria to talk to this woman. And the woman said to him, you're a Jew, I am a woman. You're a Samaritan. I'm a Samaritan. You are a Jew. You're a man. I'm a woman. How can you ask me for a drink of water? Samaria today represents the same divisiveness that we have in our time today. In chapter 4 of John, Jesus speaks clearly about who his neighbor is, this Samaritan, in answer to the question, your neighbor is a Samaritan or somebody like that, somebody that you don't particularly like to hang out with. And indeed, the question, the question is asked, why, does he, why did he have to go through Samaria? Because he wanted to demonstrate something for us. It's true that racial tension in the scripture, again and again you face it. And the Lord demonstrates what to do in the midst of it. It had to be a nauseous question for, this, for Jesus to ask this woman, give me something to drink. How can you ask me for a drink, she said. She was speaking not just from her race, she was also speaking from her gender. In that chapter, we find gender issues in the fourth chapter of John. If you read it carefully, you'll find gender issues. You will find racial issues. You'll find theological issues. 
to think that Jesus asked this woman for a drink and she said, you're a man, I'm a woman. You're a Samaritan and I'm a Samaritan and you are a Jew. You are my oppressor of my people and I'm the oppressed. How can you come to me and ask me for a drink? Jesus responds, if you only knew the gift of God, if, if, all, if all you and I see is color, if, all, if you and I only see culture, and we do not understand the heart of men and women, then we will be like that Samaritan woman who was standing in the midst of life, the life she needed, standing in the midst of her need, the need to be fulfilled in her life, standing right in the midst of it, but because of her prejudice, because of her racial tension and issues, she rejected an incredible, at that moment, opportunity. How can you ask me? How can you ask me for a drink? And yet Jesus, he is addressing this issue in the midst of this narrative. And the Lord is patient with her. He understands where she's coming from. In order to help her, you know, she inter he entertains her conversation. And, uh, and, but she's intrigued because the Lord said to her, if you only knew who was asking you to give him water, you would you would turn around and you would ask him for water. And the, the woman is intrigued by his response. Jesus said, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that's asking you to drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the water of life. And the woman said to her, sir, you don't even have anything to draw from this well with. It is a deep well. So how are you gonna give me water? Are you greater than our, our father's Jacob who, who gave us this well and drank from it himself, he and his sons? And Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of the water that I'm going to give him will never thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will, everyone who drinks of this water, Jesus said, will thirst again. But the water I give him, he will never thirst again. She was intrigued and Jesus went on to say, I, the water that I give him will become a well of water in him, springing up unto eternal life. And the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so, so, so I won't be thirsty. I don't have to come all the way down here to this well, particularly at this time of day by myself. And she said, and Jesus said to her, go call your husband to come here. Mm. And the woman said, um, I, don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said to her, well, you said that right. He said, in fact, you've had five of them and the one you're living with right now is not your own. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive you, you are a prophet. And, and she goes on and talks to Jesus like, oh, how do you know these things? She's intrigued with the conversation. When Jesus speaks to her need, speaks to what she's lacking in her life, the water that Jesus gave her was truth. And in, in, in fact, in spite of the racial issue, in spite of the gender issue, in spite of the social economic issue, 
Jesus ministers right to her heart. He ministers to the theological. He ministers to the spiritual need in her life. He deals with her truth. And she is amazed. And he does so without condemning her. The water that Jesus gives her is the truth coming to her in a way that she could acknowledge the fact that I do have need, I have a need in my life. Jesus looking past her gender, looking past her, her ethnicity. This is an illustration of exactly what must happen to you and I. It is, it is the way God has prescribed for us to deal with the issues we're facing today. We have horrendous gender issues. There's so much confusion. We don't even know how to address each other without, con without confusion and without offense. The racial issue is such a huge issue. You can hardly talk about it. You can hardly mention it. The way it's blown up through the media. The way it's portrayed again and again. And yet, God has something to say about these tensions and he, he ministers to her I want to say to every one of you that the tensions we are dealing with today can only be dealt with truly on a person to person one on one it begins there I, I heard the Atlanta Falcons coach say the other day I can't change the world but I can change the room I can deal with everybody in the room. I may not be able to deal with everybody in the world, but I can deal with everybody in the room. And my, my brother and my sister in Christ, you can deal with those who are next to you, who live next door to you, who you work with, who you walk with. These things that Jesus spoke to clearly when he said to her, where is your husband? The questions we must ask each other about the reality of our life. And Jesus gives her the antidote, so much so until she runs away from the well. She forgets her, her water pot and she goes and tells all the people that she's been involved with about this man who told me about my life. Is it possible that the gospel is the means by which we, we deal with the issues of race? Maybe we could say it this way. Maybe it is not a skin problem. Maybe it is a sin problem. Maybe we have judged and prejudged each other. Maybe we've taken part in the, in the ministry of Satan, who is called the accuser of the brethren. The slanderer. The word accuser, by the way, the word accuser is categorized or categorical. It's a word that refers to categorizing people in your own personal little box. And how many of us do it? How many times has it been done to us? Then Jesus comes to her and instead of categorizing her, number one, you are a woman, so therefore you're not worth talking to. Categorizing her by saying, you're, you're a Samaritan, you're not a Jew, I'm not even going to talk to you. Categorizing her by, by looking at her social economic status and deciding that you're not really worthy relating to. But he does the exact opposite. So I'm asking you today, what person are, is, the, is the Holy Spirit asking you to water? What person is God moving on your heart to minister to? 
What is God asking you to supply in the need of others' lives? Is it possible, like the lawyer who asked the question, who is my neighbor? Is it possible that God would want to reveal to you next door, right there in front of you, the desk in front of you where you work, the carpool you ride in, the Zoom meetings that you're on, 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 on your company's business meetings. Who, who is God pointing you to minister to? I want to tell you that whoever, whomever you minister to, it erases the issue. The gender issue goes when you meet people's needs. The racial tension leaves when you're able to help them one-on-one. -on -one. We've been talking about forgiveness. I'm going to tell you that those of you who have been done, you know, this woman, she obviously had suffered much. She's obviously had suffered much pain. Not only was she a woman with many husbands, her and her culture, obviously she had much pain when she said, you Jews worship here. Or you Jews don't really do this with us. She uses the same language that others use when he said, well, you people. That's the same racial language she used when she addressed Jesus. You people, y'all, you people. You know, it's amazing how the enemy separates us. That's exactly his plan. And God does the exact opposite. It's God's forgiveness and God's blood shed for our sin that becomes a remedy for our racial tension. It's, it's God who already made the way. Those of you who are believers and you know Christ, you know his blood has been shed for you, then maybe you have to read what the Bible says in regard to ethnicity. To, gen, to, to gender, to socioeconomic. He makes a powerful statement in Galatians when he says, there is in Christ neither male nor female gender issues, N neither Jew nor non-Jew ethnic issues, neither slave nor free socioeconomic issues. But all of you have become one in Christ. It is in him, through his forgiveness, that those dividing barriers are moved out of the way. If you come to Christ, if you come to Christ by forgiveness and through the blood of Jesus and by faith in him alone, what do we have to brag about? If all of us have been sinners, there is a new division we need to learn uh, uh, um, among human beings and the one division is do you know Christ are you lost or do you know him the only division that will happen and the, and the scriptures declare at the end there will be a great judgment of goats and sheep sheep representing those who obey and believe goats representing those who, who deny and rebel there is a division, but the division is from heaven. And the question is, have you, are you in the sheep category? 
Have, have your sins been forgiven? Have you received total forgiveness so that you no longer have to hold animus in your heart? Violence in your heart, hatred in your heart is what is taken away by the precious blood of Jesus. If you have been forgiven by him, you now have the power to forgive. If you have not been forgiven by him, you struggle every day with being offended again and again and again. Isn't amazing the Bible says they that love thy law have nothing, have great peace and nothing will offend them. When Jesus addresses and meets her need, by the time she comes back with the whole town follows her, follows her back to hear this Christ, the disciples come up and they, they, don't, they just don't, they don't get it. They don't know what's going on. They've not been there. And, and Jesus, you haven't eaten anything, Master. He said, I, I've already eaten. I'm already full by what I've been able to minister to this woman. How much of the body of Christ is empty because we have not ministered to the others? What are you today? Where are you? Constantly being offended. Did you know that when you are forgiven by God, it transforms your world? It changes your relationship with God. You no longer see him as the, the man up there. You no longer see him as a judge over you. You see him as your father. When forgiveness comes, the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you. Many of you, we need that right now. When the power of the Holy Spirit comes on you, you are able to deal with the tensions, the lies, the pains that we all face when we're rejected. The peace of God comes over your life when you receive Jesus. When you decide to make him your king and your Lord. Not just the one who saves you. He is that. But he's also the one who commands you. When you make that decision, you move from goats to sheep. Yeah, there is a division in the world. Those that know him and those that do not. Those that follow him and those that do not. And those of us who follow, like Christ, we are to minister to those who do not. Regardless of their ethnicity. Regardless of their social economic status. Regardless of their gender confusion. Mm. I want to pray for you. Because it is Jesus Christ and his sacrifice that wipes away your former life. That transforms the ugliness that, you have, that you've experienced. It is Jesus Christ that removes from you the pain of rejection and injury and lies and mistreatment and abuse. It's Jesus who sets you free and takes the burden of sin and unforgiveness from your back. And that burden is carried on his cross. 
for you. You no longer have to bear it. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for you as believers who like Peter still struggled with rejection and struggled. Peter who struggled with prejudice. We'll talk about that later. Some of you understand exactly what I mean because you're being asked now in these days the body of Christ is being called together as one and some of you are having difficulties with that. God wants to heal you. He wants to give you peace. Father, in the name of Jesus, we take the water of eternal life, the truth that we are forgiven. We drink from that well today. I pray for those who need Jesus' forgiveness. I pray for them, Lord, who've suffered so much ill by the hands of other men now men they hate but I thank you Heavenly Father that you would forgive us and cleanse us and make us your people your sons your daughters Lord I pray for those who are praying right now forgive me forgive me of my sin Forgive me of my unbelief. I choose today to believe that Jesus is the Christ. Heal me in my heart. I thank you and I will live for you the rest of my days. And I praise you and I thank you in Jesus' name. You pray that prayer. You're praying that prayer then I want you to submit yourselves to the Lord Jesus. And I can't wait. I can't wait to meet you. I can't wait to see you. So continue as we will. We'll see you next week. And don't forget that each day, devotions will be held from Friday, Thursday, and Wednesday. And Tuesday. God bless you. I'll see you again.